Welcome. We have my friend on here, Angelo McGee. He's a mortgage broker. He's going to talk about his moments on how he got into mortgages and his new entrepreneurial endeavor. So stay tuned. Three balls, two strikes, pressure is on. This is where we discuss real estate, property improvement, and business. Together, we'll strategize on how to win. Welcome to the Full Count. All right, so I have Angelo here today, and I wanted to bring him on because we met a few years back, right, when you were working at Chase Bank. I think you were a personal banker. Yeah, yeah, it's been a minute now, man. It's been a while. Met. Yeah, yeah it was it was cool how we met because I was at the, uh, the Altman Brothers team at that time. Mm -hmm. I was working with Sam Real, and we all barged in there, and we, I don't know what it was, but we all went to go say hi to you, and then they introduced me to him, and I'm like, oh, this guy's pretty cool, and they were all convincing him, get out of banking, personal banking of Chase, and get into mortgages yeah, and yeah. then uh it all went off from there that's yeah that's a good suggestion <laughs> coming from personal experience that's a good suggestion <laughs> yeah no that's kind of exactly how it happened man that was like what five or six years ago now i think it must wow. have been about six years now yeah. when i met you at chase yeah, time flies man yeah time flies. when i met him i was 26 and he was like well you're 20 i'm 30 now yeah i'm 33 now when i met you i was either 26 I, or i was Okay, so I was like 24, yeah. 23. Yeah. And at that time, me and Andrew were like the relatively we younger new. ones. Yeah, new and the younger ones kind of in the in that crew, I guess. You know? Yeah, because everyone in that crew was all like, uh, they were all experts. They've already been in the yeah. field like 10 years or so. Yeah. And, they were, and they were, not only were they the experts in the community in Beverly Hills, but they were like the top tier agents. Yeah. And we were the newcomers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah man. I worked at um, the, uh, the Chase Bank right across the street from this office yep. um, beverly and wilshire man I, uh, so i started off there i always wanted to get into finance um, and i knew i always wanted to be in beverly hills yeah. like before same, i worked the same here yeah before i worked at that chase um i was kind of looking for different jobs and whatnot i actually ended up working at wells fargo for six months down the street mm -hmm. a little bit um and i got a job it was like a, a higher grade job than the wells fargo one at chase still being a banker though um, and the location was perfect. So I was like, I, I got to move over here. Mm. And then like within the first couple months of me getting comfortable there, I just met like a ton of agents, man. Because around here in this the triangle, Beverly Hills Triangle, um, there's agents just walking around everywhere. I'd walk outside. And That's true. Agents. So they would come in. I would do their banking. So I built like a lot of relationships, man. Right. And um, yeah. And then so I would know. I would do research online and on Instagram back then. And like who who's who? Mm -hmm. Oh, so that's okay. how that's, that's how, smart. Yeah, man, that's how the whole thing happened. I was I was seeing a bunch of posts of like him and Sam and my buddy Nick we Sharp. Used to party at the time. back then, yeah, it was him, Sam, Nick Sharp, my buddy Matt Wesley. Yep. Um, they were have like these Instagram pictures, and at the time, I I'm from LA. I was born in LA, but I grew up in Corona, and I'm not too just, far from here. Wait, yeah. Where's Corona? Corona's an inland empire. It's about what an no. hour and a half from here, I would say. With traffic, yeah, With no traffic, traffic in about oh, okay. an hour. Yeah. Right. So you did you start working in banking like Wells Fargo after undergrad? Did you get a degree or anything, or you just went straight in like after high school? Yeah, so I played um I played football after high school. Well, in high school and then after high school, I played football in college. Oh, nice. I, did, I did um two years at Idaho State University, and then um I did one year at a JUCO in Arizona, uh, Scottsdale mm. Community, and then I did two years at Arizona State playing. So I was in school for five oh, wow. years, man. I was a super senior. Um, yeah, and I stayed in Arizona for one more year and got a master's degree. Okay, oh, you then, got a master's degree? Yeah, yeah in that. business management, yeah. A, a one-year program at yeah, WP nice. Carey. Um, 
Yeah, so then I, I was in Arizona kind of figuring out what I wanted to do, man, because mm-hmm. when you play football or playing sports in general, um, most of the time, at least in my experience, you're kind of like behind the eight ball when you come out and you're done playing because most of your like yeah. colleagues you go to school with during the summers and during school, they're doing internships. So if they, if they wanted to be in finance, right, they were doing like analyst internships at right. JP yeah. Morgan mm-hmm. or wherever, right? Um, where me, I was during the summer, I was playing football. And I, I did some internships. I did sports marketing um, internships. But when I got into finance, I was like, I was 24, 25. And the people I was like going and competing with were like 21. And they already had oh, three they years had some experience, experience and everything like that. So I, I went in for a few analysts, different positions. I didn't get them. And I ended up taking the personal banking job man, just right. to kind of make it. In a way, did it feel like it like set you back then being in sports for football or or no, because of the age difference? It, it well, it does for sure, but um, you get like a lot of valuable experience. Yeah, playing sports, they, for th- sure. those yeah. people might not have got, and it's you get a lot of relationships. Thick skin now, right? Yeah, you got thick skin. Yeah. Unlike yeah. maybe some of them. Yeah, you know how to be coached. You know how to work yeah. as a team. Right. Um, you know, like hard work and all that. And then, um, yeah, you get a lot more um, different, unique relationships too if you play your cards mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. when you're playing. Yeah, especially at a state school. I mean, Arizona State, because I went to University of Florida, so I, you know, yeah, Arizona State school, we yeah. played you, you know, yeah, a lot. And it's yeah. a huge school. I mean, if you're playing football there, a lot of the people that are playing, you know, their goal is to go into the NFL, yeah, right? yeah. go into the yeah. major league. So, yeah. so then you ended up personal banker at Chase. Then you went to Wells Fargo. Right? Well, it was Wells Fargo for six oh, months, and then Chase, yeah. and then Chase, and then you yeah. jumped into mortgages. Yeah. So I'll get back to that. That story. So I was on Instagram looking people up, right? And I, mm-hmm. I came across Sam's page and I was like, oh, Sam went to ASU. So in uh-huh. my head, I was like, oh, this is a dude I need to meet. And I saw he was like, you know, he was he was making it happen in the real estate. Game. Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. Um, so he walked into my branch and like, um, and I recognized before he said anything, I recognized him. I said, that's, that's Sam. I said, dude, I, I sent him a message on Instagram a couple of times. He didn't uh-huh. respond. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> Sam. That's Sam. I, I need to go up to him. And I had somebody at my desk, like someone that was helping out. And I had, a client, in front I had of a client in front of me and wow. I, I jumped up and I went to Sam. <laughs> what's up, man? You're Sam, did. right? You're Sam, right? He was like, yeah, yeah, what's up, bro? I said, you went to ASU, right? And I was like, he was like, yeah. He's like, oh, I'm going to help you out. And I'll just wait right here. I had a guy. So I rushed through the other person that was at my desk and then Sam came and then we've been friends ever since then. So yeah. Sam is yeah. who? Big real estate agent there in LA? Big realtor in Beverly Hills. Yeah. He oh, actually okay. lives in Oregon now. But, he li- uh, yeah. He moved time, about a year and a half ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, got it. So you couldn't slide into his DM. So luckily you came across him in person. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. That's, that's back when I was like really getting after trying to meet people. Yeah, right. well, that's why we have kind of a similar situation because I cold called the Altman brothers and Sam Real. I landed yeah. a, uh, like a interview and then I became mm-hmm. their intern. So I was working with the Altman brothers and Sam because we were all one team. And then Sam introduced yeah. me to you when we walked into Chase. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a small world, man. So, so you met him and then what? Got into so, yeah, I met, mortgages after that? Somewhat, I met him and that night he invited yeah. me up to this crazy mansion in the hills. I don't, I don't know how, they, they were having some kind of get together at this mansion in the hills. And he, that night, I met him that day, that night he invited me up there. And um, I met this other dude named Nick Sharp who mm-hmm. was already doing mortgages. Yeah. Yeah, so me and him became buddies, mm-hmm. and then he was the one. He was so I already wanted to go do mortgages, and I wanted to do it through Chase, but Chase was like trying pretty much you got to be a junior loan officer, yeah, and you got to take a step step. Work way up. Yeah, and Nick at the time was like, "Hey, you should come work with me. Um, you know, just be straight to be a loan officer." He would come by. He, he was really the one that convinced me to go 
like full time in mortgages. He had a big mm -hmm. part in my um, like going over to mortgages. But I met him that same night that I met Sam. Um, so then I jumped over to Bank of California, uh, B A N C. No, it was called oh, Bank Home. Okay. Bank Home Loans was a division of Bank of California. Right. So that's where I started out doing mortgages. Mm -hmm. yeah. So would you start out focusing it in certain kind of mortgages, just like residential properties? There's or... multi-level of um, type of loans, essentially, right? Yeah. So um, I was, I've always been doing residential primarily. I do a little okay. bit of commercial, but it's always primarily residential. Um, mm -hmm. And a part of the reason why I went to Beverly Hills is I wanted to be around money and I wanted to be around like luxury properties, right. million dollar houses. Great choice. Great yeah. Choice. Like it was very intentional that I wanted to come here and like surround myself with people that are dealing with it or people that had it. So right. like the, the primary, like my, my, my early mortgages were like million dollar mortgages. I, I started mm -hmm. out doing million dollar mortgages or, yeah. or like close to a million dollars, 700, 800,000, 900,000. Um, and primarily it was um, what they called non QM. Mm -hmm. um, so loans that don't particularly have the best qualifications or they're self-employed and maybe they write everything off in their tax returns. So they need a different way to qualify rather than just like showing two years of tax returns right. um, and all that. So that's what I primarily started doing. So just for those that are listening, what does non-QM stand for? So non-qualified mortgage. Okay. Um, and primarily it's, it's for people that um, for one reason or another can't qualify through the traditional guidelines. So mm -hmm. Um, it could either be a conventional loan like a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Um, they have their own set of guidelines or a jumbo loan where just different investors involved that have their own set of guidelines. But traditionally, right. the guidelines say you need to show anywhere from one to two years of tax returns if you're self-employed. Mm -hmm. um, and the problem that most people have around here or most self-employed people. With the people, higher price brackets, right? Yeah. Too? Yeah. So most people, the issue they run into is at the self-employed bar is... Um, they make a ton of money as a gross income, but you know, their goal is to write off as much as possible. Right. So the net income isn't really mm -hmm. reflecting their true, um, true lifestyle income. or affordability yeah, true earnings. and whatnot. Yeah. So they, they, so they kind of get to income is higher. So they don't qualify. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because they, they, on their tax returns, they show that they made actually less, right. Yeah. than what they actually made. Yeah. So someone's gross income could be a million dollars, you know, mm -hmm. um, and they might be living in, you know, might be living like they make a million dollars and yeah. be, their business is set up in a way where they have so many write-offs. I mean, legal write-offs, of course, that right. it deducts the income to a point where they don't really qualify for that lifestyle. They can, they can live, but right. it's funny because if you're a W2 employee, um, you literally just go off of what you make on your W2, like mm -hmm. your salary, like yeah. your gross. And we all know it. I was a W2 employee until two months ago. Um, they take taxes off right away. So if you make 10 mm -hmm. grand, you're getting a check for 5,500. Mm -hmm. right. But for some reason, when you're a W-2 employer, they don't- They, they don't, still look at gross income. They they look at your gross income. Conventional loans, Fannie and Freddie. Yeah. Jumbo, they might ask for your tax returns. And if you have some, some funky stuff going on, if you have like a self-employed side business and you're writing stuff off or um, rental properties and they have to take that into account. But using right. conventional loans, they don't even look at your tax returns. They just look at your W-2. So it's a little mm -hmm. bit less unfair in a way or less advantageous when you go in self-employed versus with the W-2 when it comes to trying to get an actual loan, home loan. Definitely. It's, it's more difficult mm -hmm. when you're self-employed compared to being a, a W-2 salary employee. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So yeah, how, how long have you been a, a loan officer now? Um, it, I, it's going on six years, maybe a little bit more. Five to six oh, okay. years. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And then I, I've noticed, though, um, what, what I like about Angelo, um, yeah. what he's been doing is 
besides him being an expert in his field, I see him on Instagram reels all the time and you've made them very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Cause not a lot of people can make Instagram reels interesting. I have a hard time doing yeah. it myself. So yeah. I, I know, but you make them very good and you explain and give tips on, especially for W2, but also for like self-employed. You recently were speaking about the G wagon, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why so many people have G wagons in places like mm. Beverly Hills or Newport beach. And there's a reason for it. I don't know if you can expand on that and any yeah. other tips you can give to the viewers and listeners that, maybe self-employed and want to show that they have more income or things along that nature. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Um, I try to have some fun with the reels and I'm still learning it. Um, no, you're doing good though. I uh, like it. It's, it's hard with, with mortgages because mortgages yeah. are not, they're not sexy. Yeah, right. Right. I'm it's not, not interesting. Not, it's like, yeah. All right. You know, I'm not like a fitness trainer or like yeah. a model that, you know, people are like, Oh yeah, it's interesting. So <laughs> right. like, even so mortgages aren't, they're on say they're kind of dry in yeah. nature. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I try to do some funny videos and then I mix in some like serious where I'm just like looking at the camera talking, you know, okay. but yeah, the one he's talking about is, um, so again, I'm not a CPA of course. So sure. I mean, consult with your CPA disclaimer, right? Yeah. Disclaimer. Yeah. But, um, there's one, uh, tax write up that a lot of self-employed people use, which is, um, section 179 combined or separated with bonus depreciation. Mm -hmm. And pretty much if you buy a car over 6,000 pounds, and you use it for business purposes, you can write off that entire amount in one year. So if people oh, really? buy a hundred thousand dollar car, like for example, a hundred thousand dollar G wagon, right. and write off that entire amount in the first year. Um, and again, I'm not CPA. Please talk to the expert about it because it just, changes every year. Usually, yeah. So, too. so next year, as my, I'm as far as I know, this is the last year where you can write off 100 percent of it. Mm -hmm. Next yeah. year, it goes to 80 percent. Um, but yeah, so like G wagons, uh, Model X. Um, there's a few other ones too that are real popular. The big F 150s, Forerunners, um, that people take advantage of it on. And um, it's just uh, so my video is about how the bank will add back in depreciation. Um, mm -hmm. So okay. the banks, the underwriter is going to look at your tax returns and is going to look at all your expenses, mm -hmm. right? But the one thing they can add back in is depreciation. So if you say my example was if you have a hundred thousand dollar gross, or let's say you have a hundred thousand dollars left on your income that you're trying to get as close to zero as possible. Mm -hmm. Let's say you made four hundred k, right? But you've right. you've written off three hundred k already through different expenses, and you have a hundred k left. You could potentially buy a one hundred thousand dollar G wagon, get that to zero, right? And then, but the underwriter will add back in that depreciation. In most cases, I'm not saying every single case yeah. is going to happen, but in most cases, they'll add back in that depreciation. So now you can use that. Let's say um, you can use that $100,000 in income, as opposed to using that zero of income. Mm. So you get the tax nice. benefits, but you also use the income to qualify. And that was just an example I gave. And you get I'm to not, drive a beautiful vehicle too. So yeah. why not? Yeah, I'm not exactly like recommending everyone goes buy a hundred thousand dollar G wagon. You got to see what's financially right for you because at yeah, the end right. of the day, you still got to either make that payment, even mm -hmm. if you're saving on taxes or whatnot. Exactly. But, um, and then people—that's just one way people get you know get creative. It's not just car depreciation too. So it's like if you lease are, a new lease, yeah, or building depreciation. Mm -hmm. Like some people yeah. have machines, like they, their company has machines, and they write off the depreciation from machines mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but that video specifically was about writing everything off in the first year. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. And how, how often do you do these reels? What do you say? Um, so I try to do three times a week. Um, Monday, yeah, Wednesday, Friday. Oh, that's often. I try to do three times a week. Um, and quite honestly, I started doing them, and then um, 
I started doing them because I was like, man, Instagram wants to beat TikTok just like they want to sure. beat Snapchat yeah. with their stories and all that. So they're going to really push the reels and all that. So mm-hmm. I did them and I, I did get some good views and for, I don't get like a ton of followers from it. Weird, like, but I, I do get a lot of views on my reels. I've gotten some leads from it. And more than anything, it, um, when I meet new people in the industry, like when I meet agents and whatnot, sometimes they've already seen my reels on the Explore page. Nice. So it's mm-hmm. more like a, a warm introduction than a cold introduction. Right. Um, or I'll send them my reels once I'm after I'm done meeting them. Like, hey, check out this reel that I did about this. Uh, and they so go to my page. And it's like, oh, this guy really, he does this. Like, he does. More it's good credibility that you're yeah. essentially yeah. bringing out there. What's your Instagram username? And we'll put it on here as well so people know. Yeah, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. It it's too. just Angelo McGee. A-N-G-E-L-O-M-A-G-E-E. Okay, cool. Yeah. We'll put that That's up there. So if you're watching or listening, go ahead and follow um, Angelo on Instagram. Yeah, definitely. And then. Also, go to the Reels tab. I don't keep all my Reels on the main page. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's sometimes right. I, Profile sometimes, grid. So what happened was you used to be able to like go back and forth from like taking it off your front page and then mm-hmm. putting it back. But yeah. I took some of them off and you can't put them back. Yeah, I hate when I do that, dude. Yeah. It happens to me like, all the time. I would have to like repost a video. or Yeah, so check out the Reels tab. There's a lot of information on there. Um, and then right. recently I've been getting more consistent on TikTok too. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. same Good. thing. Yeah. So nice. that's a way for you to not only get home buyers or even seller clients, but a lot of real estate agents have been finding your credibility. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to build, you know, credibility for sure. Like mm-hmm. in our business, right. in it's my business. It's all about credibility for sure. Yeah, for sure. And um, in my business, I've always been self-sourced, meaning that the, the bank doesn't give you leads. Like you got to go out and get your own leads, yep. right? Mm-hmm. It's like a real estate agent has to go out and get their own you know, leads and whatnot. Right. So like I need to meet as many agents or potential clients as possible. Man. So anything yeah. I can do to like solidify my knowledge on the industry and like be the expert, I try to mm-hmm. do different things, you know, and in all reality, I, I could be a lot more consistent with it. At this with which point? With doing the reels and okay. the posting. Okay. And, but yeah. well, I mean, what three times like, a week. Three I mean, times that's is a lot consistent. to me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not, it's, it depends on you know how much yeah. viewage you're trying to get but i mean the good thing about social media is that like you said it's more like a warm intro because people get to see you that you're knowledgeable and get to kind of feel like they know you almost right for so. sure yeah yeah i mean there's some people out there that's doing three posts a day and four yeah, posts a insane, day man. and honestly I, I think if i did that it would be advantageous to my career for sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i just i've, I've tried it and i get like I get tired of looking at my phone all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get tired of coming up with different ideas. And I know that, it's, it's very, very yeah. difficult. Again, but, you just got to do batch, like batch creation, and then have yeah. you know you could hire somebody off like Fiverr or Upwork or something to post. That's a good point. Right? Yeah, no, Ra- rather than like just knock out a assistant. day, just do a day or two right. of just doing out content yeah. and then have it. I'm sure that's probably what they do. I'm sure they don't sit on their phone. I would hope so. Yeah, but um, so most of the content you. Put out there is mostly for residential right not really yeah. commercial yeah yeah okay. so i i really only do um i'm gonna be doing more commercial now probably that i started my own company mm-hmm. um, but before i was always i was a residential lender i worked at residential lending companies right right um where if i if an agent i knew had a commercial deal i would try to help them out like referring them to someone i could help and see mm-hmm. how i can because i don't have a lot of connections and whatnot but yeah now that i own my own company it kind of opens it up or have more flexibility to do right to do so yeah tell more. us about uh that transition from being a loan officer at a you know big corporate bank to yeah and explain what exactly your company is because some people don't know what uh, brokerages are 
Okay. So if you can explain that. Yeah. And um, yeah, that I mean, that's a huge entrepreneurial endeavor. You said right, you were W2 two months ago. Now you're 1099. Yeah, that's yeah. that's where it gets crazy. And that's yeah. where it gets very stressful. I've been 1099 now, I think I think for like six years and yeah. not knowing yeah. when your paycheck's coming is is yeah. freaking insane. I cannot even stress that enough. But yeah. it does, you know, it does make you, you a lot of drive. Exactly. But go. Yeah. yeah explain that for us, please. Um, so I kind of always had. Uh, my own brand. I, I've had these hats for like since my thirtieth birthday. I'm thirty three now. My thirtieth birthday. My buddy Troy made like fifteen like of it. these hats for me. So I've mm-hmm. always had these hats, and I've always had like the mindset of building my own brand. And um, and I knew that eventually I would like to see what it would be like to to run my own company um, because, like I said, I wasn't really getting leads from the bank. Yeah. It does mm-hmm. help if you say. I mean, a lot of it does help me say, oh, I work for this company. And some people might know that company, some people yeah. might not. Um, but most part, they're really just working with you and they're trying to get the best deal they can get, right? Mm-hmm. They're not really super concerned with the name, unless there's a whole bunch of bad media out there about that company. They mm-hmm. might be hesitant to work with you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was always W-2, but W-2 not, once I left personal banking, I was W-2 commission-based, where you're not guaranteed right. yeah, to make any money, right? You, you get right. a draw, you get a small draw. Um, but it's not going to be enough to like really sustain um, your life. Yeah, so loan, yeah, like loan officers are chased. They get majority of their income from commission. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, so, yeah, so for the last two or three years, it was just like a small draw. It's recoverable, though. So if you don't fund mm-hmm. anything that month, it just comes out of your um, last month. But now, so, yeah, um, I've been wanting to make the jump. I ran into a buddy of mine at a... Uh, at a real estate conference that was telling me about pretty much that this thing like is possible. Mm-hmm. This dude, his name is Dario. He's a really good friend of mine. You might know Dario. He used to hang out with Sam, but it might have been when you were in the North County more. Maybe, know. yeah, that doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, so he um, he was a, a loan officer. Um, it was funny because I actually kind of helped him out along his journey of being a loan officer, and then uh, he kind of helped me. But it was funny how it kind of comes Jump full into circle. This. Yeah. So he was like, hey, there's a, there's a way where you can start your own company. This is what you need. I'm, I'm about to do it. And I was like, I kind of listened like, okay, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. I'm sure you can do it. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me at that time. But right. then he he did it. And he's like, you run a successful company. Um, and it kind of like motivated me like, hey, I need to do this. And I, mm-hmm. I just dug deep. I did some research. I, um, I visited his office to see how he runs his business. And then... Um, and there's a company you just kind of pay them a fee and they kind of my, my strength has mm-hmm. never been paperwork or um my admin, strength, admin my strength has never been admin work so right. I, it, it was always daunting for me to to go through all the information with the state and everything to open your own company yeah. so mm-hmm. but when i found out i can just pay a company and they just tell me hey you got to sign here right. complete this paperwork here and so it was it was like a year-long process and a part of that was because wow. i was dragging my feet a little okay. bit um i think in California, it's probably more like a three to six month process, but I was dragging my feet right. because the market was so good and I was you so were busy, 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 right? Yeah. I, I was so busy Closing and, these loans. And yeah, I was so busy. And at the time, honestly, I, I thought about keeping my W2 job to potentially right. buy another piece of real estate. Right. Um, even though I had just bought one previously like a year before. So, mm-hmm. but then. So did you work with a like professional corporate services company to set up the LLC and all of that? What? What was that process like? Just walk us through that real quick if you can. Yeah, so my LLC, I just went online and just had somebody yeah. help me with right. the LLC. I forgot exactly what the company was, but it was like on a couple hundred bucks. Okay. Um, right. The the long part is with the state, with the NMLS. 
because um, they okay. have to give you your, your broker's license, right? Mm -hmm. So I have my own MLO license, and then I have my own now, I have my own broker's license, mm -hmm. um, which is that's the long process. It's like a full underwriting scenario. You have to show you have a certain amount of assets. You have to show, um, yeah, you have an LOC. You gotta, it's, it's, it's a lot of different stuff that goes into it. Right. Um, so that took a, a while. But again, like I said, I kind of drug my feet a little bit. Mm. Because, um, like I said, making good money. Why would yeah. you jump in? in the middle right? of 2020, 2021. I mean, it, it was really busy. Like loans coming oh, in. I imagine, like yeah. I'm very grateful for all the the business that I got during those years. Um, but it was almost like I, I kind of got complacent. I got comfortable where I was. Where in all reality, if I was if I had my own company during those last two years, I I would have been killing it, killing it. Right. I'd have been. I, I did well, but I would have been like I probably would have doubled my actual take home pay. Yeah, mm -hmm. if I had my own company during that time. Well, especially because um, you were uh, now you're a brokerage, right? Before, yeah. what were you a direct lender? Yes, yeah, so I was a direct lender with with a. You can explain bank. the difference between the broker and lender, direct yeah. lender. Yeah, so direct lender is um, I'm going out and I'm doing loans on behalf of my bank. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, we're I'm the guy that's working for the bank, and if you come to me, the loan's coming from that bank. Mm -hmm. um, as so as a, you're you're like a, a there's different stages, right? There's a, there's a big banks. There's a Chase, Wells Fargo, lenders. Bank of America, City, you know, and those are those are kind of best for people that have a paper credit. In some scenarios, they can get lower rates than like a non-bank lender or even a broker. But Sometimes, we're talking someone with like like a ton of money in their yeah. portfolio and the large institutions like, well, we want to keep your money here. We don't want you to jump anywhere else. So therefore we're going to give you the best rate. They give you some type of rate. We're talking millions though, aren't we? Not, not all the time. Every bank is different. Yeah. I mean, every bank is, it could be a couple hundred thousand. Okay. And, and sometimes and yet, this is just like the general rule of thumb. It's not always the case. So there's always one offs for like, that it's always exceptions. Might be better. Yeah. yeah. But um, typically, so there's that. And then there's non-bank lenders who I was working for, right? A non-bank lender, is going to be a little bit more shifty and a little bit more fast or faster than the bigger banks. Um, but the rates are not always going to be as good as the bigger banks. Typically, mm. again, there's times where they might have better rates, but that, that's just the kind of rule of thumb. But it's it's in the industry, it's pretty much easier to do your loan through a non-bank lender than a bigger bank. It's less of a headache. Right. Most of the time, not every time, but most of the time. Um, I know a lot of great big bank lenders, um, loan officers that can do loans fast too. But I'm just saying mm -hmm. the general perspective in the environment sure, is that. Sure. Um, and then there's the broker. So the brokers are kind of like, I like, I like to think like kind of like best of both worlds, right? So mm -hmm. the brokers have the ability to do loans extremely. There's a lot of good. So we we send our loans to different wholesale lenders, right? And these wholesale lenders. Um, they're doing loans extremely fast and they're extremely competitive because they want to get the broker's business. Mm -hmm. So each kind of wholesale lender is like doing whatever they can to make sure brokers send them their business. And I see it's like, they give me like, when you call a wholesale lender, they give you like, they answer the phone immediately. Hey, how can we help you? Mm -hmm. Oh, your file, you just submitted your file now. Oh, we got approval today. Oh, you submitted okay. your file. Today. You, you submitted your file now. Oh, we approved it yesterday. Type mm -hmm. of stuff. Okay. Like they, they're moving. Yeah, like I can close a purchase with a broker through, through my own company. Um, mm -hmm. I can close a purchase in literally like 10 days. It may nice. be, I know some people are doing it faster than that. Um, but, the, but the advantage with being a broker too is you get to shop around for the best rate or best uh, closing cost scenario as opposed to the, you know, direct lenders, large institutions and things like that. 
right? Definitely. Yeah. So that, I, I find a lot of first time home buyers or even like the ones that are have their second home and and going forward, I feel like they tend to like working with brokers yeah. a little bit more, right? Yeah. So there's, there's a, I mean, there's a countless amount of different lenders I can send your loan to. Um, and you can stack them up against to see who has the best rate for your scenario. As, mm-hmm. as opposed to a direct lender, I'm, I'm just whatever that rate sheet says on that day, that's the rate sheet I'm able to provide. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But now I can go to lender A, B, C. This is what lender A is offering. This is B. This is C. This is what they're all offering. You can get the best choice out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's one of the main benefits of going with a broker. And uh, again, having access to products that are like unconventional, a lot of the non-QM stuff, right. not just like one bank's non-QM. Now I have the entire ecosystem of banks, non-QM loan. Mm-hmm. Right? So, a, I mean, if there's, there's, a, there's a lot of being, especially being like Beverly Hills and LA, there's a lot of unique, unique scenarios man, where you need mm-hmm. to like, you might have to like hunt down a specific lender that can do this specific loan. And if you're like at a, at a bank, if you're a direct lender, you can't necessarily go hunt down a specific lender who can do this. Loan. Either you can do it at your bank or you can't. Right. And the bank I came from has a lot of great like non-QM products too. So I was able to help a lot of people, but now I can still use, I can use those products and these other products I can use, you know, I can, I can find a solution for it. I tell people like, if I can't do your loan for you, um, there, there might not be a loan out there for you. Maybe there is, maybe mm. you can surf the web or not, but I'm, I'm pretty knowledgeable on, on most yeah. of the products out there. What's on the web um, though is usually a, a little bit deceiving though, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. they 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 yeah. on the web they'll tell you like your debt it's got to be your debt into debt to income ratio has got to be great like low and then your credit score has got to be very high. But once you sit down and you start talking to them, then they you realize that 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 rate that they marketed doesn't apply to you. A lot of the home buyers. Well, I, yeah, I mean it depends too. Do you deal with uh, investment loans like DSCR loans and that, those type of yeah products? Yeah, so I've done quite a few of those. What um, are DSCR loans? So debt service coverage ratio yeah. loans, where you're buying an investment property and you're not using your income to qualify, or using the cash flow of the property to I qualify. Yeah. And now, um, and now you don't even need to have. Um, it doesn't need to cash flow all the time. Like there's programs out there where if it's mm-hmm. if, if the rent is fifty percent of the mortgage. You can qualify. Right. Um, you're gonna need a higher down payment, like some 25 percent. Let's say 25, 30 percent down mm-hmm. payment. But um, now it doesn't even have to cash flow. You can qualify if it's 50 percent of the actual thing. And, and up until the rates kind of increased, they used to be they right. had they had no ratio loans. Mm, where yeah. even wow. if it didn't cash flow at all, like they wouldn't even they, they didn't need to look at the rent at all. Right. Um, and you could qualify if you had the down payment and you had the FICO and you had the reserves. Mm-hmm. So what banks are doing is that they, they get creative on these files, but they always yeah. do have like a reserve requirement. You need to show that you are a strong bar, even though you're not qualifying conventionally or traditionally. You do have to show that you are a strong bar um, yeah, exactly. in one way or the other. They're yeah. not just giving either out you, loans. Yeah, either you yeah. or the business, whichever you're, yeah. you're qualifying so, so, on. Yeah, so... You, you need to have a strong down payment. You need to have a, mm-hmm. a, a, a decent to great FICO score, and you need to have some reserves, typically six months to a year, mm-hmm. sometimes as high as 24 months of reserves. Wow, that's account. a lot yeah. of reserves. Yeah. So it sounds like to me then, uh, now that you have your own uh, brokerage co- company, ATM, home loans, you have a wide net of clientele that you can work with. It's not like limited to one space of type of loans, but... With that being said, since you have such a wide net, is there a specific type of 
are two specific types of buyers that you like to work with precisely, or do you kind of go after all of them? Yeah. Like so what's your bread and butter that you generally tend to enjoy or mm -hmm. go yeah. for? So I kind of like, I, what was normal to me when I began doing mortgages was complex loans. Like that's okay. what I was thrown into. Mm. So that's kind of what I've, I learned doing mortgages, doing complex loans. But like maybe people in different states um, with lower loan amounts, they might be just used to the W-2 set employees like that. I kind of right. I learned like I, said, I learned doing bank statement loans and, and uh, investment property loans. And um, mm -hmm. so I always I will, I will always continue to do those type of loans. Um, I feel like I have a duty as someone with my expertise to help out as many people as possible. I mean, there's, there's obviously more loans that are easier to do than others. But um, I definitely feel like I have a duty if someone comes to me with a complex scenario or an easy scenario or a high loan amount or a low loan amount, they have a duty to, you know, to help them out. Right. I feel like that's like my service. Right. Um, so you're a big problem solver then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely I, I will sit at my computer and try to figure out a problem. I enjoy doing that. Can I let me say one thing, though, that's important and key for a, a loan officer that can problem solve and is very analytical because I've come across, as you know, as a, me being an agent, I work with plenty of lenders. Yeah. Sometimes my, my clients, a lot of the time, they have their own lender that they bring to the table, and then I have to work directly with them. And what I notice is a lot of them, not a lot, but quite a bit of them aren't the best problem solvers. Mm -hmm. And when they come up with more than one hiccup, at that point, they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do the loan. I'm like, what are you yeah. talking about? You can't do the loan. Yeah. Try and figure it out. And then they just, they kind of, I don't know what it is, but like they're, they're, their analytical skills just kind of evaporate. Yeah. And that's why I like working with people like yourself. I'll call someone else and I'll tell my, my client, you know what? Don't work with that person anymore. Work with one of my people. Yeah. So they, want, they want something that. that's easy. You know what I mean? That yeah. They know is yeah. guaranteed they're going to get paid on. Yeah. And, and but sometimes, sometimes that whatever lender it is, is limited to that's what they offer too. at their bank. Yeah. Too. Yeah. That's true. Where they're like, hey, I know this isn't going to go through at my bank. So I'm not going to waste mm -hmm. my time or the borrower's time to try to do it. But um, yeah, in, in some scenarios, if there is a solution to be had right. um, and maybe, and again, maybe I, I, I've, I've had loans before they came to me that were pretty simple, like W2 loans that another loan officer had and couldn't qualify them. Mm -hmm. And then I looked at the loan and it was like a, a pretty easy solution. Mm -hmm. where, where so there is scenarios like that where sometimes you need to switch your loan officer just to, yeah, I see, yeah. just to get a yeah. second eyes on the file yeah. mm -hmm. and not saying that loan officer is bad or, or did a bad job, but maybe they just missed something right. and you, you just needed a second set of eyes. Right. Yeah. Um, so do you deal with properties, just properties in like LA County or all of California or. Yeah. So right now I'm only doing California. Uh, okay. Right now my company is only licensed in California. I'm working on getting licenses in different States prior. Mm -hmm. I was doing in Texas. Um, I was doing Arizona, a lot of Nevada, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a, right now I'm getting the, pretty much the structure in place and just killing, trying to kill as much as I can in California. Okay. And then I'm, I'm in the process of getting Texas back again. Cause I'm licensed personally okay. in Texas, okay. but my company needs to be licensed in Texas right. too. So that's what I'm working on right now. That's going to take a month or two to do. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah. it's just about getting the paperwork in and getting the fees and all of that. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. exactly. And then I, I have a question for you um, cause you're on full count, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Full count, as we all know, it's when you excel under pressure, when like three balls, two strikes. So a problem comes your way and you got to solve it, right? Yeah. Has there been anything recently that you've overcame that was your full count moment or years ago? I mean, this can yeah. apply to so many different scenarios, but I don't know if you yeah. might have one in particular. 
even yeah. one that that was um, bigger that kind of changed the trajectory of like your whole career. Yeah, well, the, it's funny, man. It was um, so this is right when COVID hit, um, and the market was going like there was a lot of uncertainty, right? So a lot of mm-hmm. lenders were like taking away products. They were um, non QM didn't exist for a while. So non QM was was pretty much non-existent for a little bit, right when COVID mm-hmm. hit. Um, so a lot of my loans that I had in the pipeline were pretty much, they just said, Hey, we can't do these loans anymore. Um, mm. so I lost a lot of business when COVID first hit and, um, it was a very stressful time. I'm sure everybody was stressed out when that, you know, yeah. happened. Right. Um, so there it was a, um, there was one weekend, I mean, it was a Saturday and I was at my house and I was just thinking, I, I couldn't stop. I was like, I need to find a solution to get business. And, I was watching like YouTube videos. I was like, just creativity just, starts coming. Yeah, up. I was just like, sit on, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm gonna lock myself in this room until I figure out a new way um, mm-hmm. to get business, man. And then something just hit me, and it was a different way, a different marketing technique that I I, I found out. Right, um, it, it wasn't even like a super complex marketing technique. It was, it was, it had a lot to do with um, with mass emailing, mm-hmm. um, but literally this idea that I came up with that Saturday, which was probably then maybe, maybe it was probably in April, maybe um, like just like boosted my fundings for the next two years to the point where I was able to. Wow. Uh, that's yeah. impressive, dude. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it, that one idea, like, it was responsible for like half to three fourths of my income for the next two years. Mm. So um, what, what was it? What did you do? It was mass emailing, but it was like, like mass mass emailing like what what, um, yeah, what does that mean yeah like so, I mean, you put it on mailchimp type of thing so it wasn't that's what on, i use i use mailchimp yeah no it wasn't yeah. on mailchimp it was, so i was fortunate with the, the company i was working with had a really oh, good platform mm. for emails and um and nobody was really using it um so i was able to send like a mass amount of emails without it being an issue like mm-hmm. the, the reports would come out like they'd see, they, would, they would call me, the like, hey, like, this person said this much, this person sent this much, but this person, Angelo sends like this much wow. right. of emails, right? So that it's kind of like, um, and again, you feel free to use whatever strategy technique. I don't, is it, I live by an abundance mentality where I can tell you, yeah, there's still going to be enough business out there for That's everybody. That's for sure. Right. Um, but yeah, so it was just a, it was just a thing where I was like, I had a whiteboard up in my room and I was like, okay, if I, I remember that whiteboard. Yeah. When I would do, because we did a video in 2020, but sorry, sorry to cut uh-huh. you off, but I remember that whiteboard. So I was just like, man, if I, if I, um, if I get this many amount of leads, right, this many thousands of leads, right. and literally like half a percent respond and do a loan with me, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do very well. Mm. So I was like getting, that them, I was oh. getting trash leads, like six mm-hmm. months old to a year leads. They were super cheap leads, like super cheap leads. And I was just like, but I'm gonna let me, let me see if I just get responses. Right, I started getting exactly. responses, so then I doubled up. I bought more and more and more, and like to the point where I just had like, like, I, I don't want to say that, but it's like thousands and thousands of leads. How often and would I, you send out these mass emails? A so? couple times a week, yeah. Oh, a couple but, times. A week. Yeah, but then what would happen? What happened was, mm-hmm. so it was a little bit of preparation mixed with opportunity as well, because mm-hmm. shortly after that is when the rates just tanked. Ah, uh. so. I already had a plan in place to really take advantage of that. Cause I was sending these right. emails out and then I would get emails all day. Yep. I would say, Hey, tell me what your, your loan amount is, whatever. I'll give you a, a estimate of what the rate would be today. Right. So I'm mm-hmm. sending, I sent an email out within an hour. I'm getting 
this is my scenario. This is my scenario. This is my scenario. This wow. is my scenario. Damn. What can you What can you do to help out, right? And from mm-hmm. there, you know, not all of them turn into closed loans, but yeah, I, it was just it was just my way of generating leads outside of relying on a real estate agent yeah. or a financial advisor to send it to me. And like I said, lucky mm-hmm. that 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 method is not going to work in every environment because the rates yeah. were so low. So like right. lenders in general, we had a, a tailwind helping us. It was, it was so much opportunity over the last mm-hmm. two years. You started out money. playing, yeah. You started out playing the numbers game, and then yeah. the other you know, external timing, yeah, circumstances. It, it, just ha- it was like it was right before like the race starts, just going, going crazy, man. And it was right. like I closed a lot of loans like that. Like I was, I closed a lot of loans like that. And then well, on top of that, I still had all my relationships with agents and whatnot. So it was very. Um, I would say that's like definitely because I remember I was stressing out, man. I was like, man, is mortgage just going to be a thing anymore? Yeah. Like. Do I, need to, do I need to switch? I started day trading stocks. I lost <laughs> yeah, a bunch that's what of I started doing too. I lost some money was... day trading stocks, man. Because I'm thinking like I gotta make enough money to support me. I, mean, I gotta yeah, make I this much of money times, every day dude. trading stuff. That's a full count moment for sure, bro. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, man, I was really kind of going through it. And now um, there's gonna like the industry is changing so much right now mm-hmm. um, for real estate agents and for mortgage loan officers. But now like. Um, we don't have the the benefit of just getting easy refinances anymore. Like mm-hmm. refinances is pretty much dried up. Yeah, because um, I mean, there's no yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, it, it has to be a it has to be a very unique scenario for you to get a refinance. Right. Like I had a buddy called me yesterday, and he said, um, "I haven't talked to him in a long time, too." But he said, "Hey, my father in law um, is on the loan, and you know I need to get my father in law off the loan." Mm. Um, and it's a refi, right? Situation. Yeah, much yeah. So and I was like, you know, I, I, if I were you, I try to like figure stuff out with your father in law because you don't want to yeah. refinance. You don't want to, he has 2.9%. Oh, man. That's a, man. Yeah. I was like, you don't want to be real with you, man. Like, of course, I'd make money if you refinance, but you don't want to, yeah. You don't want to, I would try to handle that stuff with your father in law, man, and keep it alone. But there's scenarios like that, for example, right. or, someone, or someone really just, you know, they need to, some, some people <clears> have um, private money loans. Mm hmm. Um, and they, for whatever reason, they missed the refi wave, but they still have to refinance because there's a balloon payment on that private money loan. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what the rate is. They're going to do it. If they want to keep their house, they, they have to they do have it. They have to, yeah. So those are only the kind of refinances you're getting now where on, right. during the last two years, I mean, there'd be people, I refinanced people two times within a span of a year. Mm-hmm. Um, like, because the races went lower and lower. Like, I would go through my book of business and, oh, shit. Right. Let, me ref- let me call them again. Let me call them again. And people were getting cash out. People. So here's what a lot of people were doing too, because the rates were so good, is mm. they were getting cash out. Um, they're doing cash out refinances, yeah. paying off all their credit cards, uh, um, paying off their student loans, um, mm-hmm. and then their their monthly mortgage payment was still lower than um, than all those payments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the monthly mortgage payment was so much lower. So it was like there was so many opportunities to do. Right. Um, refinance business. And now, I was just going to say, so you still saw people refinance a a number of different times in that short time span, like within a year or so? I've had a few few clients that I refinanced two times. Yeah. And I I thought about doing a third. With the the closing costs and all of that, it still made sense. Yeah. So the the thing that it doesn't always make sense if you have to pay extra closing costs, right? Yeah. But the thing was, the rates were so good and they, they, they got good and then they got even better. Yeah. Right. So I refinanced when they were good and then refinanced them when they were even better. Crazy. And when they were even better, you were able to get a lender credit to cover all your closing costs. So it was like oh, a no okay. cost. 
It's a no cost refinance. You're not adding anything. Yeah. You're not anything or barely anything to your principal. Okay. So you say, Hey, look, I can, do you want to lower your rate? Um, it's not going to, we're not going to add any, barely anything onto your principal. Mm-hmm. And people like the fact that they get to skip a payment too. So once, once yeah. a loan closes, you skip a payment. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah. So yeah, but I would always advise if you want to, I don't think you should read because I would give them a breakdown. Like this is how much it's going to cost you. This is how much you're going to save. This is how long it's going to be to you break even. If you don't mm-hmm. stand up, if you don't plan on being in the house that long, I, I wouldn't do it. But if it's a no cost refinance and I don't, and technically that's not really a no cost refinance, but if you're not adding anything on your principal or adding very little yeah, on your principal, why not? And you can save a hundred, 150, $200 a month, then they were doing it for like, it was, is it no it, yeah, it was, it was a no brainer for a lot of people. And that's what I'm saying. I was very fortunate to, uh, to be, to have all the preparation that I had. And like, I was fortunate to already be in the industry and have mm-hmm. experience. And like I said, that, that full count moment while I was prepared for it, like, because no one really saw it coming to that extent. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of uncertainty when that happened. You know, people were selling their houses at low prices and, and next thing you know, prices are going sky high. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was very fortunate. And I, I definitely don't take it for granted. And we all knew that this time was coming too. like yeah, right. when, when the rates were rates. Yeah. No one expected to go up this fast. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone could say they expected to go this fast. Yeah. But, um, well, and we'll get to that too in the current events towards the end. Yeah. But so, Back to the full count moment with those email blasts you would do, and yeah. then with the opportunity uh, came because the rates fell. Um, are, what are you doing now, though, to like, um, you know, lead generate and things yeah. like that? Because mm-hmm. when we met, as you know, as you were saying earlier, we would go to you know a local. We'd go to a house party. We'd go to the bars. Are you still yeah. doing that or no? Yeah, I went to an open house party um, last week, last Thursday. Oh, so nice. now, nice. so. That's always fun. That's yeah, why I, I do what I do because I get to do that. I know, man. So pre-COVID, I mean, the open house parties were popping all. They were amazing, man. yeah. Like they were popping. It was like every week there was some new open house party up in the hills or any some nice mansion where they oh. had champagne, open bar, food, and wow. it was like it was like every week. And then COVID came, and of course it shut that down. Mm-hmm. And now they, they do them, but it's not to the like when we first got into it. It was like. It, it was, was different. It was different, man. It was a party all the time. Man. It was always a party. But that's where I met a lot of people at. Yeah, same here. Um, right. But yeah, so now definitely, like 100%, I still I still do my email thing, but it's definitely, you, you got to be way more creative in this market. Um, and yeah, that's like, I'm going to I'm going to have a future full count moment next time we talk. Like I'm still. I'm sure you will. Like, I'm in the lab something. now trying to figure out what is going to be the next play because um, when uh, the amount of loans that were out there shrank to like, they, they shrank. Mm. like significantly yeah um so it, like the amount of loans that are out there you're competing with uh, and at the same time because people heard how like the mortgage industry was and how it could be so lucrative a lot of new loan officers loan officers and mm-hmm. younger loan officers jumped, jumped in the business right yeah. so now mm-hmm. you're competing with more like tech savvy people um people that are doing like you know the instagram the real you're competing with a lot more people and there's less yeah. business so I'm fortunate enough to build relationships That's with people true, like yeah. Andrew and different realtors that, you know, that I consider my, my good friends and whatnot. Um, while I still, my business is still doing great, you know, and they, right. they support me making the jump to my new business and everything. But it definitely, it wasn't like it was the last um, two last years. years. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you yeah, stay in the I, game long enough that refinance <clears throat> is going to come back. Cause I mean, people are still buying It'll come back. not as much, but, and then they're going to want to yeah. refinance. You know what I mean? 
yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll come back. It's, it's not. It's not going to be like um, probably not two percent, two point some percent. Yeah. yeah. But, so you got to think like even if the rates get down to three percent again, right? Mm-hmm. There's not going to be the the vast number of refinances as there were because mm-hmm. a lot of people already got yeah. their rates at three percent. There's only going to be people that are buying their houses now. Right. So it's not going to be as many as back then. It was like people that had bought their houses within like the last ten years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now the rates two point five percent. You can refinance all those people. You know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. A bigger line. Basically. Bigger yeah. I've, I've seen myself yeah. having to pivot too because I used to cold. Call. I still cold call. I still door knock sort of. But now I've I've been as of the last three months I've been going back out to the bars, yeah. going back out to some house parties or open houses. Um, I think that's where where it's at the relationship. I didn't. I didn't, know, I didn't even know. I didn't even know open house parties was a thing. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you guys taught me something new today. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing, man. I mean, there's a reason why I haven't quit this job yet. Yeah, yeah. you know, I'm gonna come uh, out and go to some of those with you. Yeah, <laughs> I, what I went to on Thursday, that someone told me about it. A good friend of mine told me about it. Um, like a two an hour before the party, and oh, nice. I, I showed up this open bar, this food, wow, like, sweet. and there's like and for me. There's a purpose in it. There's agents, like just tons of agents. Yeah, so, good networking. Know, for me, yeah. There's an open bar, and I have this is like, this is work. Like, there's an open yeah. bar in my job, right. somewhat, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And then you see people you haven't seen in a while, so yep. you connect with them again, you know? Exactly. New deals. Yeah. A question I have for you because you're such a, um, since you bought it, what, a year and a half ago? Two yeah, about uh, March 2021. Okay, yeah. cool. Because, yeah. I, now that you're a homeowner yourself as well, is there any like surprises that you had in home ownership or any tips you can have for some people that recently bought a home in the last couple of years or are planning to? Any yeah, responsibilities? Um, you're like, wow, I have this new responsibility I didn't even think about, but the gratification is, you know, amazing. Yeah, yeah no, there definitely is a few um, items. So um, buying a house was, was always a goal of mine. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to, like one of the things that pushed me to like to show up to work every day doing mortgages was like I want to help as many people as I can buy their house and help them up their financing to a point where I'm able to qualify for my own house. You know, that kept me like motivated, right? Um, so it's it's, it's a very exciting time, but you do learn a few things. I, I was I was I was renting from age of eighteen till thirty two, right? Mm. So I was renting that whole time. And if something goes bad in your house, you just call your landlord. Yeah. And then they don't come fast enough. You get upset at them and you're like, hey, come come fix this. Right. So like um, there's a few things I want to touch on. Right. There's expenses out. There's monthly expenses outside of your mortgage payment mm-hmm. that potential home buyers need to be aware of. Um, so there's the obvious ones that are like electricity, yeah. um, the water bill. Um, those mm-hmm. are the obvious ones. Right. But the thing about electricity and a water bill, well, electricity specifically, it, it's it's higher. It's, it's much higher. Mine's like 50 percent higher than what you're used to paying electricity in your in your place where you lived at and in, in your mm-hmm. unit, because usually in your unit. I, I don't know. I, I did move from a condo to a house. So maybe if you move from a condo to another condo, but from people I've talked to, um, it, it, the bill is higher. So prepare for a yeah. higher electricity bill. Yeah. Um, and then you have the water bill. And then if you have if you have yard maintenance, Typically, you're going to pay a gardener, right? Yep. The gardener is 100 bucks a month. Right. Um, I have a pool, pool maintenance, 100 bucks a month. Um, and, and when inflation was going up, it, it, was, it went up to 130 a month. And I, I found a new pool guy that, that did it for 100 now. But mm-hmm. so that's, that's an extra 200 a month on top of your mortgage payment that you might not ne- necessarily think of when you're looking to buy a house, right? You might just see your mortgage payment, and think, oh, I, I can afford it, but you got to add everything else in, right? Right. And, and then. Open. 
things that break inside the house, outside the house. So you get a storm. Like my brother, he just bought a house like two years ago, and now he's about to get hit with a Category Three hurricane in Tampa. Yeah. Oh, I love that right now. Yeah. You got to factor that that in. I hope. I hope everything goes all right. It's the twenty seventh of September today, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Just so we know, whoever's watching this, Hurricane Ian. I spent spent some time in Tampa, man. My little brother played for the Buccaneers for a year, so I spent a lot of time. Oh, okay. Okay. Um. So yeah, things things break. So my first month moving to the house, I'm, I'm all excited about this pool I got, and I'm like, man, some this pool's kind of getting a little dirty, man. What's going on? And <laughs> I, I realized that the clean all the time, like <laughs> yeah, like I realized that the pool pump wasn't working. Oh, okay. it, it just it stopped working for for no apparent reason, and it was a it was a newer pool pump. Yeah. Um. So I asked the pool guy, he's like, yeah, you're gonna have to buy a new pool pump. That cost me like I think six seven hundred bucks plus to install it. It's like right when I got the house. Wow. I mean, like. Boom happens. Yeah, right boom. Away. And I, so that was like a, a like okay, this is gonna be you know you got to be expected. You need to have reserves for this type of stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And right. luckily, I did have reserves, but no one wants to pay for that pull pump when you just put your down payment down yep. in your house and right. you're making payments. You're trying to do other different upgrades on your house, yep. and now the pull pump goes out. So then, two months ago, uh, three months ago, my water heater just goes out randomly. Mm-hmm. Did you have the home warranty by chance? So I, I didn't. So I don't. So the the home warranty. I don't know if it covers the. I, I, had, I had a bad experience with a home warranty. Okay, I'll, I'll yeah. go into that. But so there was a there was a warranty on the actual pump itself. Right. It was like an eight year warranty, and it the, the literally the pull pump goes out the month after the warranty expired. Uh-huh. So I have my my neighbor's a plumber. I have he does, he helps me out with all the plumbing, right? He's like, yeah, bro, it just expired. All right. You're gonna there's no way you're gonna have to get a new pump. I'm like, what is the chances that my pull? Like, so I was, it always I, happens that way. Yeah. You know what's weird though? Every a lot of my buyers for my clients that I help out. I wouldn't say a majority of them, maybe like 40% of them, as soon as they buy their home within a month, because I always follow up, right? Within a month or two, they're like, oh, this just broke. Water heater broke. Dishwasher broke. The AC doesn't work. And it's just part of the unfortunate situation. It's good that you're bringing some light to it. Yeah. And I'm saying these things just to make people aware, not to deter people from buying a house. I just want to make people aware of some of the things that can happen, right? So you plan accordingly. So Mm -hmm. you plan accordingly, like with your finances. So, I mean, replacing that was another thousand dollars right i think mm-hmm. it was like twelve hundred thirteen hundred dollars um shortly after that i had a I had a bad run like shortly after that one of my showers is leaking oh god um mm. leaking into the floor and like i was like man this floor my, my hardwood floor felt a little moist i was like what's going on so they got to open up and when you have wow. pipes you have to open yeah. up drywall right it's not yeah. just like and these it's are things expensive. when you're like renting a, a crib or renting a house you're not really thinking about all these things usually like, hey Put me up in a hotel. Let me know when it's fixed, and then yeah. you know I'll come back when it's fixed, right? Mm-hmm. right. So now I'm like, okay, so that, I had to find somebody for that. I had to get a whole bunch of different opinions. Finally, found the leak, got that fixed, um, mm-hmm. and all that was happening on my birthday. Actually, I had people oh. in my house fixing the leak. Yeah. Yeah. So, but overall, I mean, the, you're you're definitely gonna have um, issues like that that come up. I mean, some mm-hmm. people are gonna have less. Some people are gonna have more. But right. like the feeling of um, of owning your own house, like I, I'm, I'm fixing these items. I'm fi- this is my these are my pipes. You right. know what I'm saying? That's, that's this is my pool. This is my pool pump. This is uh you know you gotta it, take care of it, man. You yeah. gotta fix it. Yeah. It's just the feeling of ownership. You do feel a, a sense of pride in it, and mm-hmm. um, it just feels like I never felt more comfortable in a place than I do now. Mm-hmm. Like I just feel so comfortable like in my home, you know, because this right. home you you're not yours. Um, yeah, it's, it's mine. And, I always tell people that are that talk to me like, "Hey, should I buy? Should I rent?" And I always say like, "It really depends on 
your specific financial situation. Because for a lot of people, mm -hmm. renting might be the best thing to do at that time. And there's nothing right. wrong with renting a house or renting an apartment, whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but in some cases, if you can qualify for a house, even with rates higher as they are now, mm -hmm. um, you, I think buying a house is a good move for sure. Um, and it just depends on the scenario. But I never tell people, hey, don't feel bad if you're renting. Don't feel like, don't feel pressure. Like, oh, I need to stop renting. Sometimes if you're strategically renting, right? Like mm -hmm. yeah. you're renting with the mindset of, oh, maybe I want to buy investment properties. Uh, so let's say a lot of people do this too, where they, yeah. they're renting a luxury condo, right? And that maybe the house they can qualify for in LA isn't going to give them that same type of lifestyle as renting a luxury condo, right? Because mm -hmm. we all know LA is expensive. So maybe they buy a couple of investment properties in different Pay states and, and that those are the cash flow for the investment properties pays their rent, you know? Yep. So it's not always a bad thing to rent where you live. Yeah. Uh, for me specifically, it just my scenario, it made more sense for me to buy a house at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I always tell people. Cause of course I, I want to, sure. I do loan. I make money when people buy houses, you know, yeah, right. but I always be, I'm transparent as possible with people um, just so they can make the decision. Yeah, yeah, I feel like because of pride of ownership too, like in the community or the city or just your neighborhood alone, yeah, the pride sure. is so high among all the people that own that they naturally make the area better too. For sure, mm -hmm. yeah. Like my my first moved in, people were bringing me gift baskets nice. and like everyone's always looking after me. They see some some weird going on, they call me or text me, and I never got mm -hmm. that feeling when I was yeah. in my car. Like, Do you guys I, use next door? I don't. I, I don't. Website? I don't know. No, I don't. Wait, what you is next door? Next yeah. door. Nextdoor.com. It's like homeowners. You know, they go on there and they kind of say, "Hey, there's a coyote in this yard. Watch out." Oh yeah, yeah. I need to, uh, I need to get on that. I need to get on. Yeah. Because you own your spot too, right? I own my spot too, and yeah. I, I feel the same way. I have yeah. that sense of pride, and I just I, I feel so comfortable living in it now. So yeah. I totally yeah. understand where you're getting from um, with that, and uh, yeah, it's just. It's it's um, a feeling that it's hard to explain until you own, right? Yeah, definitely. It is. It's um, it's hard to explain. Like, the, it's um, I don't know. It is. It's a it's an extreme level of comfort in most cases. But mm -hmm. one thing I do want to like, this is very important that it won't necessarily be comfortable if you're like stressing every month how you're going to pay that mortgage. Yeah, yeah that's right. true. You should have um, some reserves, like you were saying, for backup. Exactly. And your mm -hmm. job should be stable and you should be there, what, at least three years in your job where it's, it's consistent. It's not, not even or doing your years. business, whatever it is. You know, If it's, it's a business, I think it's even more of a reason to yeah. be the more, um, you know. You just, you just want reserves right. in your account. You want some yeah. reserves. You want to be financially prepared for this. Because like I said, there are things that are going to go wrong. Mm -hmm. and, and when that payment hit, I mean, a payment is going to be principal, interest, taxes, insurance, you know. Right yard maintenance, mm -hmm. whatever other maintenance you got, you know, some people pay cleaning fee to people. I don't, but like some people do have an emergency fund at all. You times. need to have an emergency fund or, or yeah. that you, one thing with me, I never want the house to feel like more of a burden than mm -hmm. like me being able to enjoy it. Exactly. Um, so yeah, definitely plan accordingly. And, and don't just, don't just rush to buy a house just because everyone's telling you you need to buy a house. Make sure it's like, it's, it's financially right for you and Maybe if you have a partner, you and your partner, or just you by yourself at that time, mm -hmm. you know, definitely. Yeah, especially going into like current events now too. Um, what I've been noticing is people that purchase homes, like the first time home buyers, it used to be in their like mid twenties, yeah, uh, some decades ago, yeah, even early twenties, and now mm -hmm. it's like around thirty three, yeah, and I think it's probably yeah. gonna be thirty five now. Yeah, so as time progresses, people are not gonna be able to buy as first time home buyers until their mid thirties, late thirties. And what we're seeing is, I believe now the U.S. inventory is uh, was at 1.31 million uh, last month, 
this month it's 1.28 million. So it's cresting, meaning inventory is starting to come back down again. Yeah. Um, so the supply shortage is the reason why we haven't seen like huge price reductions necessarily mm. yet. But what happened yesterday, if you can explain with the mortgage rates? Well, they they went up significantly yesterday. So it went up like, um, like 160 bips, which well, like, the mortgage backed securities. Yeah. So, for example, I had someone that was I was pricing them at like mid sixes and now they're in the low sevens. Wow. Um, which is a huge difference on, on your yeah. payment, you know? Yeah. So right now people are getting creative and I recommend that the buyers, they try to yeah. get creative, right? Because um, there's different ways you can get your rate lower. Um, you can buy down the rate. You can do what's called a two to one buy down. Um, do I have time to go over like, yeah, yeah, one no, no, go, go. Yeah. We're so, in current events now. So take, but yeah. take as long as you need for explaining these. Um, so yeah, yes, rates are high. So, mm -hmm. I think first-time home buyers are, are kind of stuck in a a weird, weird scenario, right? Where the last year and a half to two years, there was so many people putting in offers on the houses, it was hard to get your offer accepted. Mm -hmm. Now there's not as many people putting in offers on every house, but the rates are so high, or rates are yeah. higher, where your payments higher than it was back then. Right? Higher, yeah. um, but I will say there's a lot of opportunity in this market to get a house that you love or get a house that you can get a deal on, mm -hmm. um, because right now sellers are more willing to work with the buyers. They're more willing yeah. to give you shifting to the buyer's market more so. They're more willing to give seller credit. And 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 yeah. not all, all properties. Some properties like I look at the market pretty I look at different houses coming up, specifically in my area, but kind of all over the place. Um some if the property looks like um if it looks like it's on HDTV or like it looks like it just like it's super, super yeah. nice, those are still getting multiple offer houses. Yeah. Uh, multiple offers on the house. Um, some other properties are sitting longer. Mm -hmm. The ones that mm -hmm. needed work as, as, as before, Andrew could maybe um, attest to attest that. For sure. too. If the house needed work, it would still get multiple offers. Oh yeah. 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 But now it's kind of like, so you can find, you can find deals, man. And it, there's a few things I recommend to people looking to buy um, their first home. Um, one is the location, right? So you might have a, a ideal location. You might want to be in Sherman Oaks. You might want to be in Encino. You know, you might want to be in one of these more popular areas, right? And, mm -hmm. um, but if you just drive five minutes up, you can go to a different neighborhood that is probably not right. as nice as those neighborhoods, but the home prices are significantly like different. Like Lake Balboa, for example. That's what steer I, I, I'm, I'm biased to those areas because I live Encino. out that way. I'm, I'm really biased to those areas to live out that way. Right? Those areas are getting expensive, by the way. Yeah. In so the last year, they're like getting way more expensive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they're still cheaper than the sure. Encino. Yeah. And like literally, you can take a five minute drive up any of up White Oak, up Reseda, up um, any of these streets, right? And take mm -hmm. a five minute drive up, and the houses are like hundreds of thousand dollars cheaper mm -hmm. for the yeah. same square footage. Again, the neighborhood's going to be not as nice, but you just drive. Like, I drive five minutes to Trader Joe's instead of walking across the streets to Trader Joe's, you know, but yeah, I pay exactly. how, how much, yeah, it's way more affordable than living there. Mm -hmm. And again, some people have kids that need to be in a very specific school district. So, I mean, that makes sense, but, um, cause that, that does make a big difference sometimes. Yeah. Right. Um, so I mean, this is, this is specific to like Southern California and all that, but I mean, it this, is yeah. similar in, in other cities and other areas, like here in Boston, same scenario, right. That yeah. what you just said applies. Um, yeah. There's places in Florida that also still apply that, you know, I'm aware of that I follow the market. So yeah. when you're talking like when you steer out of the main area, right? The yeah, steer out of Miami, Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, South, South Beach, Miami, Miami people yeah. are now moving more inland, right? So oh, yeah. and, and yeah. north. So like yeah. first it was Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. 
and now it's getting up to West Palm and then even yeah. coming up towards Vero. Like if you're going up the coast of Florida, it's uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely consider looking at um, adjacent neighborhoods to your like ideal neighborhood, mm -hmm. right? Because you get a lot of the benefits of that neighborhood. You just got to drive five minutes to get there in some right. cases. Sometimes it could be more, but you just yeah. want adjacent, right? Right. Um, um, oh, and also, so you want to be, like I said, people are being more creative with their interest rates now. Mm -hmm. um, there's ways where you can pay points to buy down your rate. Mm -hmm. um, and right now on certain properties that have been on the market for a while, um, sellers are more willing to provide seller concessions to help you pay that rate down. Um, sellers are more willing to do a two to one rate buy down now. Mm -hmm. And what a two to one rate buy down is, is let's say your rate is six and a half percent. That's your normal rate is six and a half percent, right? Mm -hmm. For the first year, your rate will go down 2%. It'll be four and a half percent. So you're making payments at a four and a half percent rate. The second mm -hmm. year it goes down 1%. It's, it's five and a half. So those first two years of home ownership, you have a way more affordable payment than you would if it's at six and a half percent. And then year three through 30 is going to be um, six and a half percent. That's very creative. That's a yeah, very helpful that's way. Very. I like that. So, so that, at year three, I have a question about that. So year three, yeah. right? Say rates drop, you know, a bit. Yeah. Could they refinance and get the lower you, rate? You, you can refinance. So, I mean, that, that would be best case scenario, right? Right. You get the lower rate the first year and the second year, and then you refinance. But no one right. can say for sure where the rates yeah, are going to go. But at least it gives you those first two years of homeownership where you got to get used to things going wrong. You want to probably make some upgrades and stuff like right. that, where you can have that lower payment for those first two years. And it, the rate's not adjust, So your rate's locked in for 30 years. So for mm -hmm. three to 30, you know what you're going to get. It's not like after year three, your rate's going to then go up again and again and yes. again. Like, you know, this right. is the max. Awesome. So you know going into it what your max payment will be. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one thing you can definitely do. Um, but now that rates are 7%, as of today, right? I mean, yeah. it might change. It, it, it changes intraday, right? But mm -hmm. you know, people's uh, price brackets are probably coming down a little bit coming more, down, right? which may lead to some home price reductions, which we're seeing. Yeah. Um, because I've made videos about this where I've gone deep dive into that that people can look into. But one thing I did want to mention um, for buyers are like, oh, the prices are going to crash and whatnot. Here's the here's the problem. I was just saying how there's 1.28 million. Uh, U.S. homes of inventory right now on the market. Only 779,000 of those homes are actually active on the market. That means the rest yeah. of those 39% are in escrow. So it's only about 779,000 homes on the market. And I was just reading the paper that in Southern California, 10% of home sellers that are now seeing, you know, the the activity go down, they're they're renting their homes now instead of selling them. Like renting them out. Renting them out. Yeah. So home sellers are like, you know what? I'm I'm going to even make the supply crisis even worse, not intentionally, but they're like, we're just going to not sell it. We're going to rent it. So yeah. I think that's going to make things more difficult too. Yeah. I mean, the issue that the, the reason why there's not as many people coming to market is, um, well, one of the, the for main sellers, reasons, right? Yeah. One of the main reasons for sellers is that when they sell their house, typically they're looking to buy a new house mm -hmm. and they don't want to lose their low rate that they have yeah. now to go into a six or 7% rate. So that's why they're not really putting their house on the market, right? That's, that's one of the key reasons to it. Yeah, he's right. And the yeah. and the stat for that is 72% of all homeowners with a mortgage have a 4% mortgage rate or lower. Yeah. So those 72% mm -hmm. are likely, not all of them, but a good portion of them are not going to want to, like you were saying, yeah. sell their home and get a higher mortgage rate. Right, they're comfortable right. with their payment. You know, they, they don't really want to increase it. I mean, that same thing happened to me. Like, I'm, so I was... I have like kind of an investor mentality, right? Like I'm gonna buy this house, you know, I'm gonna live in there for a year. Um, 
and then you know can I get a bigger house? You know, that, that was my mindset at the time, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm staying with my, you know, three percent rate. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, you know I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable where I'm at, and a lot of people are going through that. I mean, maybe not as short of a time, but like, people are definitely going. Through yeah, the same I mean, you could rent it out, right? And if it yeah. gets enough cash flow to afford a new place, right? But definitely, I mean, I'm, definitely, I've had conversations with people that are doing what he was saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um. Because rents have been going up too. You might, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like, kind it, of, it's a tough scenario. The housing market is a very interesting, challenging mm-hmm. scenario, and I think that's why the Fed is being so aggressive and in raising interest rates, trying to cross um, the market. Still, that's the only problem. It, right. it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's like they're trying to do anything they can to to Slow help down. the affordability, mm-hmm. the housing affordability. Uh, and like home buyers, people that own homes are, are suffering too in, in the terms of they're losing a lot of equity right now. Yeah, right. Um, not like every not every single homeowner, not, some houses are gonna be, you know, a little better situated than others. But like, for example, if people would have sold their house in March, oh, I mean so much higher. They would have made it, they would have made out. It would have been, right. you know, to the bank. And and it happened so fast. The like, music has to stop eventually. Yeah, it but but it wasn't even like a it wasn't a slow thing. Mm-hmm. It happened. So fat. I was, I was yeah. like, I keep an eye on everything, right? In my, like, if, in my neighborhood specifically, there was a house on my corner when the rates were in the fives, five and a half range. I was like, I wonder what this house is going to sell for, right? Mm-hmm. And the open house was packed, mm-hmm. and it got multiple offers when the rates were in the fives. This is when rates were going up, right? And it sold for over asking. I'm like, okay, maybe, man, what, what's going on? Maybe home buyers is this resilient. But I think after a month or two of those high rates, home buyers just got sick of it, and they were like, we're not going to. We're not we're, we're not shopping right now yeah, and there's right. less home buyers out there and then that's why the price is starting to come you know it's starting to come correct back. a little bit mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um one thing i will say though that we see time and time again historically nobody again nobody can time it like you guys said nobody yeah. can predict it but when a recession actually occurs sometime during the recession mortgage rates come back down to re-stimulate the economy yeah. so there's yeah. going to be some opportunity for people to get a lower rate eventually or they can buy a place and then refinance with, with you yeah, yeah. So it's just a good news. long game. You just don't know. Yeah, I tell people. I did a video about this too. Is um, if people ask me, is now a good time to buy a house, right? And um, I'm sure you have your own opinion on it. And what I tell people is, um, if you can afford your monthly payment, um, if you find a house in your price range and you can afford your monthly payment, like we're not stressing out for that monthly payment every month, I think it for sure is a good time to buy a house. Um, mm-hmm. You're gonna have less competition. Um, you're going to get a better deal than you were going to get just a few months ago, mm-hmm. more than likely. Um, and then hopefully, no one knows for sure, hopefully the rates will come back down and you can refinance. Right. Um, people's scenarios change or maybe when rates do come back down, they might not be in a position to refinance. Maybe they have a different job. Maybe something's going on. But right. if, if you can, if, if you can, if you, you know what your payment is before you buy the house. Mm-hmm. You know? So if it's a payment that you and your family can afford. Um, now is definitely a good time to buy a house because you're going to have a lot more wiggle room with these uh, home sellers than you did just six months ago. Right. Exactly. That's right. And we don't know where the crisis is going to go to in terms of supply. We don't know if yeah. it's going to keep dwindling down. I imagine, like I was saying, 1.28 million inventory. It might creep back up again because of the fact that the mortgage rates are so high. So we just yeah. don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can agree I, to I, that. Andrew's an expert on all that, the economics and everything. I read, I read all those stats. He knows dude. a lot more than me on all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but you, you know what? Uh, you're an expert in your field, but I try to be an expert in real estate, and that's kind of what se- separates me from 
a lot of the newer agents, even the older right. agents. So that's that's right. kind of what the value proposition I have. Yeah. You have that problem solving mentality. But yeah, exactly. That's, that's why you go lot. see you go see Angelo as brokerage. Yeah, ATM. Yeah. yeah. Hey, ATM I got a question for you, Andrew, Angelo, real quick. Why uh, the Delta sign for the A? Um, I've had the same logo. Right. Um, so out of college, I did sports marketing. Okay. Um, oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. cool, dude. That sounds like a good job. Yeah, I, I did sports marketing, and it was, um, and the company that it was a long name. It was I was at the time it was called Aggregated Marketing and Management, uh -huh. and it was the same font. It was just A M M. Mm -hmm. you know, it was just it was just a Virgo font that mm -hmm. I found online. I just liked the A. It just looked different. I don't know. Yeah, it does. Yeah, Kinda, it gives it like that Greek. Yeah, feel to it. Like I just had this. It's it's, it's the same logo from. Um, I've had the same logo before I even got into mortgages. Two, and two different A's. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. AV yeah. and the ATM. It's the same. It's the same. Yeah, so there's no like real reason other than I thought it looked cool. Honestly. Yeah, it, it looks cool. Like it. So, like yeah, How do I get one of those hats? You can have this one. All right. Somebody want so, one? Could they buy it? I don't have it online. I never felt like I had enough um, well, interest see. to people that wanted to buy it. But maybe yeah, go see Angelo, ask him some uh, loan yeah. questions. And yeah, so they, the, yeah. the story behind the name is um, my initials are ATM. That's uh, freaking cool. Yeah, I told, on, so the last cool. time I was on the video with him, I went over it. Got so it. It's, it's Angelo Terry McGee. And, God, um, it fits you perfectly, dude. Yeah, man. It's, it's funny, man. I had a... Um, when I used to play football, it was it was a dude that sat next to me in the locker room. He was like, "Man, your initials are ATM. You gotta start making plays, man, so we can start calling you ATM out here." You yeah, know, making money. Right. Getting cash flow. <laughs> yeah, and then like now I'm in finance, and you know, makes ATM sense. people people think about money. It just kind of makes sense, you know. Right. Yeah. All right. Nice. Well, uh, anything you want to leave everybody with, Angelo? Um. Thank you both for having me on. You know, I always like talking with Andrew, and you know, talking with you as well. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so the market, go ahead. Okay, no, finish. Oh, yeah. If anyone wants to reach out to me, they can go to my Instagram, you know, Angelo, A-N-G-E-L-O, McGee, M-A-G-E-E. -E. Um, that's my Instagram. You can feel free to email me at Angelo at ATM Home Loan with no S at the end dot com. ATM Home Loan dot com. Um, most of, I'm, I'm very easily accessible through Instagram, though, and my contact information is on there as well. Um, so I do uh, consultations if you're getting ready to buy a house or if you're in the if you're in the process of buying a house right now and you need a second opinion, I could help. I always tell people get a second opinion, even if maybe I might not be a better deal or not, but at least get a second opinion because it doesn't cost you any money at all. And only so, only in California, though, right? Right now, now, I'm only servicing California right now. Right. Yeah. If you have an out of state loan and you have questions, feel free to reach out to me and I'll connect you with a buddy or a loan officer that I know that we're close within the different state. Yeah. Sweet. Well, there you guys go. Yeah. Reach out to Angela if you have any questions.